continue our series called Make War. We're going to be in uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're looking at the story of David and Goliath. And over, over six weeks, we're going to really just break that story down for us. We're going to be looking at some other scriptures here uh, today as well. But what I want us to focus on today, and, and this is a question that a lot of us have why do bad things happen to good people? How many of you ever asked that before? Yeah, we've all, uh, you didn't ra- all raise your hands, but I know we've all asked that question before because they happen. But what I want us to do is I want us to see how we can turn that tragedy into triumph. How do we take that bad situation that has happened, no matter how bad it is on that scale, how do we take it and turn it into a triumph? How many of you consider yourself to be a planner? How many of you consider yourself to be a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of a person? Yes. I, I kind of fit into both categories, but I'm more, hey, let's go. Hey, let's, let, let's just jump in the vehicle, and, and we're going to go somewhere. Now, I make sure that all of the things are planned out in my mind. I don't tell Teresa. I don't tell my mother-in-law. I don't tell my kids. I said, let's go. And that's just kind of how we do it. And if you don't know, my in-laws, Teresa's parents, they live with us. And she, Melody, is a planner. And she wants to know what we're doing for dinner before that night. And she come, you know, especially at the very beginning when they first started living with us, she would say, hey, what are we doing for dinner and I'm like, well, I don't know. And she said, well, I meant all week. Well, at 3 o'clock, we'll decide when Teresa comes, uh, goes to the grocery and we'll figure that out, what we need. No, 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 that doesn't work for her. She, she wants the whole week and the whole month. She wants everything planned out of what we're doing and when we're doing it. Um, when we're going to be gone, um, I, I tell, I think I tell her when we're going to be gone. And she says, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we're leaving by, you know, <laughs> it's kind of how it works. But if you consider yourself to be a planner, you want to see things through. And we can all come up with some of those outrageous stories of things that we have plans. And I know people that are this way that when a plan goes wrong, everything blows up and everything completely falls apart. And in life, we need to learn how to make those adjustments. With, with, with Melody and myself, we had to figure out how things would work. So she's like, okay, listen, I'll take these nights and I'll cook on these nights and you're responsible for the other nights for yourself. And whatever you do, you do. But I'm planning everything out completely. But we had to make those adjustments. And, and no matter how much we, we like to plan, things are not always going to be in our control. But we like to think that we're controlling our own lives. That everything that we do is, is, is put together by, our, by ourselves. From time to time, things don't go according to plan. None of us plan for bad things to happen, but again, they do. For someone here, a couple that is here, you got married. And you never thought that four years into the marriage you would hate one another, that there would be a a horrible custody battle. You planned on having children 
but you didn't plan on that miscarriage. And, and, and this month, October, is um, Pregnancy Awareness and Infant Loss Month. And, and next Sunday, we're going to have candles out um, that you're going to be able to take. Miss Lisa's going to have a table outside, and you're going to be able to take one of these candles. And um, October the 15th is actually Infant Loss Day. And I encourage you that if you have lost a baby or if you know someone, that you can take one of these candles next week and you can light that candle on the 15th. And you can be a part of that. You, and you planned on having a long extended life. Then the cancer hit. You planned on living the rest of your life with your spouse, but then the car accident happened. You never imagined that you would have to attend your own child's funeral, but it happened. And we ask ourselves, why, why do bad things happen? What, God, why? Why? And I want to tell you that that is a legit question that you're allowed to ask. God, why did you allow this to happen? Now for some, we will never receive that answer this side of eternity. And we have to come to grips and understand how that works. Today though, I want us to change our question. I want us to change the way that we think about that. Again, we're, we're going through a series called Make War, and we've talked about that you're either a child of God or you're an enemy of God, and there's no one that lives in the valley. You're either on God's hill or you're on the enemy's hill. That's it. We've talked about the fact that as we've looked at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, that Goliath would come and he would stand in the valley. And he would yell at the Israelites for 40 straight days. 80 times he came and he defied Israel and defied the Israelite God. And they did nothing and they were frozen with fear. They could not overcome their giants. And we need to be reminded as well that there are a lot of things that distract us and get our minds away from who God is because we hear the voice uh, of the enemy. But what we have to understand is that we, we don't have to worry about that giant. We don't have to worry about that enemy simply because we are defined by the cross of Christ. We are defined by what Jesus has done for us. As tempting as it is, in those moments, when we question God, why did this bad thing happen? Again, I want us to have that response of being able to see how God can take this tragedy and turn it into triumph. The first thing that I want us to see is that God is good all the time. God is good all the time. How many of you remember the prayer? God is great. And we thank him by his hands. 
Yeah, some, some of you remember it and some of you are like, um, 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 um. Yeah, but we remember that from, I remember learning that as a child, God is great, God is good. And that, we have to remember that constantly. Matthew chapter 7, this is what Jesus says to us. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door is open. Now those are the verses that we know, right? Like verses 7 through 8, we're like, absolutely, yes, ask and, and, and find, and oh, okay, I've got that. We usually don't get to verses 9 through 11, though. We, we kind of stay away from, from those verses, but I want us to dig into those. Jesus says, or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent if you then who are evil now we all know evil people right that's not us though right none of us are evil it's somebody else like that person that's sitting in front of you or behind you right now they're evil but i'm not evil that person that that just cut me off they're evil but i'm not evil because i would never do that If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Listen, God does not. God will not give bad gifts. God always gives us good things. Verses 9 through 10 that they, they illustrate the teaching that we find that we know in verses 7 through 8. And, and what, what Jesus does is he gives two amazing examples for us to be able to see how good God is and how we can be evil. I mean, the, the two illustrations, how many of you would ever give your son a stone if he asked for bread? Well, I've never given my son a stone, but I remember, and he still won't eat tomatoes to this day, and I, I didn't lie to him per se, um, but he was two, three years old, and I said, Justin, you want this grape? Now, it was a grape tomato, and it was purple, and he bit into it, and the look on his face, <laughs> I'm evil. I'm evil. How many of you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a serpent or a snake? Now, I won't do that because I'm scared to death of snakes. I remember fishing one time, and I caught it. I was on my bike uh, down at the, the local pond by my grandparents' house, and I caught this black snake, and, and I brought it up because it was on my hook, and, and so I drug it on my bicycle all the way home, and it was dead by the time that I got there. So I'm not doing that one to my son, okay? But we wouldn't do that to our kid. Honestly, if our kid was hungry, we wouldn't say, well, eat this rock. We'll eat this serpent. We, we wouldn't do that. And if we wouldn't do that, why would we ever expect God to give us bad gifts? If we have a need, if we have a need, not a want, if we have a need, God will take care of us. Just like a father would never give his son a poisonous snake, neither will God give us anything that misaligns us with his purpose to his goodness, whether we ask God for it or not. God is our Father, and he is, we just sang this, 
He is a good, good father. He delights to give us what we need. God loves to give gifts. We talked about that last week. God wants to give us gifts, and he wants to see us use those gifts and to open those gifts and to quit playing with the wrapping paper, to quit playing with the box, and actually use the gifts that he has given to us. And I want you to remember this. The power of prayer, listen, the, pr- the power of prayer does not depend on the goodness of the prayer. The power comes from God himself. We don't know how to pray. We, we, do, we do our best, right? It's a conversation with God. We give him everything that we have, but it is not the power of our prayer or the weakness of our prayer. It is truly the power of God that sees us through all the way. The question we have to ask is, if we're going to allow our, are we going to allow our circumstances to tell us who God is, or are we going to allow our belief in God to reign over our circumstances? Are we going to be struck with fear when the enemy of God comes at us? The Israelites were struck with fear when that giant stood in front of them. David, on the other hand, he saw and knew the power of God, that God is good, that God is powerful, and that he would see him through no matter what came his way. There's a lot of of bad things that we see happening right now. Well, if God is good, why did he let 9-11 happen? Well, if God is good, why is he allowing this virus to, to hit us the way that it is hitting us? Why is God allowing the church to be persecuted the way that it is being persecuted? Why is God allowing all of these things? If he is so good... Why do I have the pain inside of my life? Several years ago, my sister, uh, Shandy, my middle sister, um, her appendix burst. She had to go in and she had to have it removed. It's scary whenever your appendix actually bursts. You go, God, I, I don't understand why my sister has to be in this type of pain. And they went in and they were able to remove everything and pull everything out of it. But here is the amazing part. Bad situation, right? As the doctor went in, he looked over and he saw something that just didn't look right. Now, when you go in to remove the appendix, you stay in your area. The doctor stays in his lane. But he saw something and he decided to go ahead and remove just a little piece of it and to have it sent to be biopsied. It was cancerous. But they were able to go in, and they caught it so early. um, It's a disease called nets, and it's a type of cancer. And they were able to go in, and they were able, because her appendix burst. Bad situation, right? And something amazing happened because of it. And she's still with us today. She's able to raise her three kids. She's able to be such an amazing mother to them. She's such a, a good middle sister to me. Picks on me all the time. God took what could have been a horrible situation, but he used it for good in those moments. 
You know, even through pain, God is good. When I'm healthy, God is good. When I am sick, God is good. Acts chapter 16, you can go there and you can read through what happens there. But, but Paul sees this woman and this woman is just badgering him. And, and, and finally, he turns around and, and he calls the evil spirit to be removed out of this woman. The people are upset because that's how they made their money. And they got very, very angry with Paul. And so they had him brought before, and they had him flogged. They had him thrown in jail. And while he was in jail, horrible situation, right? Horrible, hard situation. While he's in jail, do you know what he does? Starts singing, starts praising. And as he starts singing and praising the Lord, what happens? Everything starts shaking. Cells are opened up, and the jailer thinks that everyone has escaped and is ready to kill himself. And in that moment, Paul says, whoa, 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 right here, I didn't leave. And Paul gets to witness to this jailer and bring him and his family to Christ. God can take bad, horrible, hard situations, and he uses them for his good Every single time. We may not always see it, but we have to trust him through it. One person said, God is not an ambulance driver going from crisis to crisis. He is all-powerful and everywhere and always ahead of the situation. Please remember, you will never catch God off guard. You're not going to do something, and, and one of the angels is going to come up and say, Hey, 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 God, um, do you see what Justin's doing down there? Oh my, I didn't see that coming. Like, you will never catch God off guard, okay? He is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is all-loving, and that's what I want us to see right now. God's power is displayed throughout all of Scripture. He is a manna-giving, walk, a water-walking, grave-robbing, all-powerful God. Let's see what happens in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Now, he's been pushed away and pushed aside his entire life. When Eli went to crown a new king, he was told to go to the house, and Samuel said, um, is this everybody? Well, the run of the litter is, is out guarding the sheep. You don't want him. He's just David. Samuel said, no, 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 Jesse, bring him, and he anointed him. Last week, as we looked at the scripture, David was furious that he heard what Goliath said. And when he heard what Goliath said, he said, what's going to happen to the guy that destroys him? What's going to happen? And his oldest brother, Elab, heard this and was just irate with David. Who do you think you are? Go back and tend to the few sheep that we have. You're not a mighty warrior like me. And now he stands before the king and Saul, again, completely pushes David to the side. He says, you're just, you're just a little boy. 
you, you, you can't do anything. You can't fight this Philistine. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant is used to keeping sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and delivered it out of the mouth. And if he arose against me, he caught him and he struck him and he delivered him. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You go. Remember, Saul didn't go, right? Saul said, I'm not going. Nobody else wanted to go. Elab, David's brother, mighty warrior, right? He didn't go. But we see David understood the power of God. David understood exactly the power that was behind him. Just as God saved the Israelites from their physical enemies, such as Goliath and the Philistines, he also has the power to save us from the greatest enemy that we face, sin and death. Our God is a water-walking, grave-robbing, all-powerful God, and we must remember that. You see, when you realize that your sin is what separates you from him, it's at that moment that we realize and understand that we need the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in our lives. As a result, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become that child of God that we talked about it the very beginning of week one. John chapter three, verse 16. We know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then we have to continue. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nothing bad that happens to us in this life can can rob us from the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. A lot of bad things will happen to us in this life, but we serve an all-powerful God, a mighty God who is able to raise us up. That's our identity. Don't let your circumstances right now rob you of your identity in Jesus Christ. Too often, that's what we do. We see the pain and the stress that we're in, and that's all we can focus on. And we miss out on the true beauty of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he has given us to do in this life. Never, please never forget that. You've lost your job. You've been shut down for for whatever reason. 
kids, you're stuck at home trying to do school. And you're worried about all of your circumstances and everything that's happening right now. You can still be a witness of the power of God in your life. We have all been called to do so. To share, as Paul did in a jail cell. Oh, woe is me. I'm chained up. And listen, prisons are nothing. I mean, prisons are no joke today, but back then, they were a mess. And Paul could have sat there, and Silas could have sat there, and they could have been in all of their misery and woe, and how are we going to get out of this, and oh my goodness. No, they just start praising. And God does a miraculous thing. It brings us to our last point. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. We all die. Travis, wow. How to be morbid. We don't get to choose when we die either. Bad things are going to happen. The pushback comes, well, if bad things are going to happen and we're all going to die and God knows that all of these bad things are going to happen, why doesn't he just wipe out evil? How many of you would like that? And we'd love for him to be careful. Because if he wipes out evil, guess who's gone with it? if God wipes out evil, away I go too. So death still happens. So we have to be careful of, of being, asking for those things to happen. Because we live in a world that is broken by sin, all of us will encounter seasons of pain and difficulty. We will go through hardships. It's how we make it through those times. During those times, Many will question God's goodness, even the strongest of Christians. I'm here to tell you that I've questioned God during some of those times. It's hard. But I always find my way back to Him. Sometimes it's more difficult than others. Mary and Martha, they had a hard time. They knew the power of Jesus. They had seen firsthand the power of Jesus. And yet, Jesus let their brother die on purpose. And they questioned. They sh both of them at different times said, if you would have been here, Jesus, our brother would still be alive. Why weren't you here? Why, why, why did you wait? Jesus didn't look at either one of them and say, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? He allowed them to question, and when he actually got to the grave, shortest verse in the Bible, but one of the verses that has some of the most impact, Jesus He allowed a bad situation to happen, but he did it so that the power of God could be seen. And he called him by name. Lazarus, come out. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Those grave clothes had to come off. 
we have to allow those grave clothes to come off. God will turn our tragedy into triumph if we will let him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we read, and when we know that it and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working in all situations to bring about good out of those situations. How are we going to handle it? What are we going to do? Now this verse is often misused. It doesn't say that all things are good. For all that happens, certainly we know it's not good. Also, this is not some blanket promise that everything is going to work out for the best. Again, if we've lived very long, we know that not every situation we are going to see physically turn to a good situation. God promises to work all things that happen to his children in a pattern that results in good for them. Go back again to 1 Samuel chapter 17. What happened when one of those lions or bears came after one of the sheep? They were killed. They were saved from the enemy. As we allow that to sink into our lives, when the enemy comes after us, God comes running. And he has his staff, he has his slingshot, and he has his strength, and he will tear us out of the enemy's hands if we will just allow him to. The question is, are we going to allow him to do so? I think our life would be completely changed. Yesterday we we had our men's group and and we met here at the church. We had 12 guys here in person. And one of the things that I took out of that um, that from the lesson itself and, and from Sean breaking it down for us, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The lion is is crouching and waiting to attack. How would our lives be different if everywhere that we went, we knew that the enemy could attack? That a lion was prowling, waiting to attack us? I remember a time in in high school in our youth group, we did a nerf, Nerf gun war. And we were given a name, and we drew a name out of a hat, and so we would have to go find that person. And we tracked them down, and and as we would track them down, if we shot them before they shot us, we got their name. And there were 30 of us that were playing this this, this game, and it was all about trying to, to, to sneak attack someone else just so we could win this game. And I remember um, I had taken out several people, but I was bowling um, on a Saturday morning, and one of my good friends, Alicia, she came in. Hey, Travis, how you doing? And she just starts talking. Ooh, sneaky. I said, okay, I'll, I'll see you later. And as I turned my back, oh, shot me right in the back. I had to give her my name. The enemy is waiting. He's not going to come at you from the front when you're expecting it. 
He's going to come at you from the side. He's going to come at it when we're distracted the most. But I want you to know that we have a Savior who loves us, who will be there for us, that will take us out. Remember that the crucifixion, horrible pain and death that our Lord and Savior went through, the crucifixion led to the resurrection. Never forget that. Jesus wants to take a bad situation. God wants to take a bad situation and he wants to turn it into triumph. And so we're going to take communion at this time. And if you haven't had an opportunity to, to get your communion, we have it in the back of, on each one of the tables. Um, and you can go back and, and you can get that for your, you and your family. And I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you. What God chose to do from the very beginning of time. He had a plan that would involve sending his son to give his life for us. And so as you partake of, of the bread and the juice, you're going to remember that he physically lived, that he went through every single pain that you and I go through. He understood sickness. He understood all of that. He also gave his life. He was perfect in every way. He did that for us. And if you're here this morning and you, you need someone to, to pray with, I'm going to be in the back. The elders are going to be in the back. And as you partake of communion, as we sing our last song, if there's someone that you need to talk with, you need someone just that will listen. As I talked about with the infant loss, we have some amazing ladies in this church that have went through things and hardships and pain. And they're still dealing. But they see the triumph in their tragedy. And they would love to, to help you if you're going through a hard, rough situation. If you need the Lord to forgive you of your sins, I want you to know that all you have to do is go directly to Him and through Him. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you that we can come and worship you, that we see you as our Savior. Father, as we partake of communion, as we remember the sacrifice of your Son, Lord, you take horrible hardships, you take pain and tragedy, you take the crucifixion, you turn it into resurrection. You take that which is evil and you turn it into good. And so, Father, as, as we reflect and as we remember who you are and what you have done, we remember that we need you. And so, Father, if there is someone here that needs to give their life to you, if there's someone here that needs prayer in their life, if if they've been traveling down a road that they have fallen off the path and they need someone to, to speak with and to talk with and, and to repent, Lord, that, 
they will come and seek us out. We pray all of this in your son's most awesome and holy name. Amen. Thank you.